All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome into Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Wednesday, October 18th. Welcome into another edition of Daily Faceoff Live over on the Daily Faceoff YouTube channel. If you're in there, do us a solid. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and if you got any questions, drop them in. We'll be taking a few of those later in the show. The show, as always, is brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at botano.ca. We'll have some bets later on in the show as well. I'm Tyler Ronchek. He's our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli. Frank, how are you doing? I am good. Phillies, two wins away from the World Series. Uh, lots of interesting hockey on the go. Let's go. All of our shows this week have started with two things. One, an update on how the Phillies are doing. And two, an update on Josh Norris. He's going to be in the lineup. Sense head coach DJ Smith confirming Norris healthy, ready to go tonight. Big boost for the Sens. Uh, now all they need to do is get Shane Pinto signed, and they'll have a pretty formidable center trio. But uh, I think everyone's kind of holding their breath on Norris. How does he take the contact? How does he feel? Got to be right. Yeah, you talked about that on the DFO rundown earlier this week. The mental side of having an injury that's happened to you time and time again. Like It'll be tough for him to, to really get back up to 100% in terms of his ability to just play the game he needs to play. So certainly something to watch tonight. Only two games on tap, but Josh Norris will be in the lineup for Ottawa. Let's take a look back at last night, Frank, and what we saw around the league. Throw two minutes and 30 seconds up, and the mayor of Smashville has been re-elected for another term. It took very little time for Leon Drysaddle to continue his dominance of the Nashville Predators. He scores the game's first goal just eight minutes in. He finishes with three points. In just the first period, Frank finishes with four on the night. His dominance of the Nashville Predators is unlike 
anything else in the NHL right now. Yeah, it's incredibly odd. And if you take a look at his dominance, 24 goals in 24 games, there's no one else in the NHL, certainly active, that has one goal per game against an opponent, minimum of 20 games. I mean, take a look at this board here. There's some incredible statistical achievements here. Um, you, you know, you look at David Pasternak, 24 and 28 games against the Flyers, or Austin Matthews, 19 and 21 games against the Vancouver Canucks. Alex Ovechkin, uh, very similar against the Minnesota Wild. But none are quite as impressive as this. And the scariest part is Leon Dreisaitl has 22 goals in his last 12 games <laughs> against the Nashville Predators. 22 in 12. It's insane. And I think my favorite part out of all of this is how much he hates it, talking about it and hates the attention. I'm sorry, but when you go to one other team's building and you can stamp your name on the side of it because you've owned them, what's, I mean, it's got to be fun to talk about. His teammates are giving him a hard time and he can't stand it. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly something. I remember last year when we took a nation vacation down there, he had the big hat trick. I think the thing for dry saddle, how can you replicate this against other teams? Maybe they need to throw like a yellow tinted visor on them. So just every other team appears to be in yellow jerseys. I don't know. So let me, let me throw this at you. Cause I'm glad that you brought up yellow. How about the Calgary flames? Leon dry 41 games played against the Calgary flames. Only 10 goals. There I are mean, statistical probably. oddities everywhere. Yeah. Connor McDavid, as you saw in the last graphic, has smashed the flames pretty much every time he's played them. But Dreisaitl, he can do it against the Preds, but not against the Flames. There's no way, rhyme, or reason to explain any of this. Sometimes you just have an era of good feelings against the team. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Like This matchup specifically makes very little sense because what has Nashville been over the last eight years? A team with an elite goalie, whether it's Rene or Soros, a team with a solid back end led by Roman Yossi, and a team that usually just plays like good defense-first, hard-nosed hockey. If Dreisaitl was doing this against a rebuilding Coyotes or Ducks team, you'd be like, yeah, okay, he's just beating the tar out of like a weak team. But he's doing it against a team that prides themselves on keeping pucks out of the net. It's crazy, and uh, you know what else is crazy? If you throw that graphic back up again, Sidney Crosby has now scored more than 50 goals against the Philadelphia Flyers. So he's played 83 games. So an entire regular season of his career has come against the Flyers, 53 goals. Wanted to include that there on the list. And there's some good rivalry ones here. We mentioned McDavid, 29 goals in 37 games against the Flames. Austin Matthews, 26 in 32 against the Habs. All pretty big, important rivalry games. But how do you explain Dreisaitl, 22 in his last 12 against the Preds, but only 10 and 41 against the Flames? Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a statistical oddity. The Oilers, though, more importantly for Dreisaitl, I'm sure he cared more about the two points at the end of the night. We'll dig into that a little bit more in the players' room with Luke Gazdick on the show. Uh, but another team got a big dub last night. The Buffalo Sabres, Frank, they were about to blow this thing. They go up 2-0 on the Bolts. They blow the lead, give up the tying goal late, late, late in the third period. But then they go and dominate OT. Tampa Bay, I don't even think, touched the puck in overtime. Kyle Lockposa was talking after the game on the broadcast about the confidence of this team really being the reason why they were able to just shake off the fact that they blew the lead late, jump right out in OT and get it. And he credited the culture off the ice in Buffalo. And you see the guys celebrating the OT winner. 
to me, that really is the biggest reason to be confident in this Sabres team. If you're a Sabres fan going forward, they seem to have built this thing up right. It's not like it's going to be a bunch of random guys on career years pushing this thing forward. Don Granado's been there for a number of years. The core pieces like Ocposo, or from a leadership perspective, have been there for a number of years. They're built the right way, and that's why I wasn't overly concerned with their 0-2 start. Couldn't agree with you more. Still important to get on the board. You don't want to let that spiral. But I think when you listen to Don Granato post game, his address in the locker room, process over everything, that's really something that they've been driving home is every single thing that they've done is process driven, whether it's the way that they've built their roster, whether it's their approach from game to game. You mentioned confidence and how much that culture has changed. Like the Sabres have had some really good vibes and feelings now pretty much since Don Granato took over a total shift in what it felt like to be a Buffalo Sabre and to come to the rink every day. That's been a big difference. And you can see that continue to build. Yes. They fall a few points short last year. And yes, you lose your first two games of the year. And all of a sudden people are rolling their eyes in Buffalo again, after bringing everyone back to the arena uh, you have a sellout on opening night and you're thinking, okay, like this is going to be the year that this team finally breaks through. And then all of a sudden fans are sitting here going, here we go again. This is going to be the same thing again. And you got to get on the board at some point, blowing a late lead and then getting it back in OT is certainly one way to do it. Let's see where they go from here. Devin Levi looked good in that hockey game as well. First time this season, he's had a save percentage north of 900 in a game. Dylan Cousins, the workhorse from Whitehorse, gets the OT winners of the Young Guns in Buffalo, powering them past the Tampa Bay Lightning for their first win of the season. Out in Winnipeg, Frank, it was an... Honestly, it was an awkward night. Pierre-Luc Dubois makes his return to the Jets after forcing his way out over the summer. He spent three seasons in Winnipeg. They gave him the little video tribute, and I don't know if you saw it, but like it was basically just all booze. Dubois didn't really acknowledge the crowd. There was like maybe eight people who stood up and gave him like a weird clap. It was incredibly awkward, but at the same time, Dubois' tenure as a jet was also kind of pretty awkward. So it, it wrapped it up nicely. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone really did anyone any favors, especially when his agent, Pat Brisson, was on radio a whole year prior to his last year saying, oh, yeah, Montreal is a place that he wants to play. And he didn't have a contract at the time, so he could say it. But it was kind of writing on the wall that this guy would not be re-upping in Winnipeg. And I think, you know, on the surface, you understand that visceral reaction from a fan base because you say, hey, this is a guy that clearly didn't want to be part of our city and what we built. And, you know, for someone that said, hey, this has been home, his dad had been coaching in the organization with the Moose, you're thinking, okay, this is someone that could fit in nicely. But then I took a step back and Marat Atesh, our, our friend who's been on the show a bunch, I read his piece on P.L. Dubois, who, by the way, doesn't want to go by Pierre Luc anymore. It's just P.L. Dubois. Um, he He basically laid it out and just said, Life's too short. I want to do what I want to do. And I, I really appreciated that insight. And some might say, oh, that's a lack of maturity or someone that's impetuous, uh, you know, is thinking about himself. But his one line to really close out the story actually really hit home with me when he said something, I'm paraphrasing, but it's something along the lines of anyone chirping at me, anyone, you know, saying stuff to me, whether it's online or in person or whatever it might be heckling me. I'm going to forget about those people. They're going to forget about me and we're all going to move on. And the point is 
at the end of it, all you really have is your own career and the path that you charted for yourself. So the only person you need to, you know, worry and can, you know, consider making happy is yourself. And he wanted to do that in LA. I thought that was the most fascinating part of this summer and how it worked out was a lot of people were thinking he's destined to go to the Montreal Canadiens. He actually made a decision well beforehand and the Habs were willing to step in, but he said point blank, I want to be a king. And I thought that was really interesting. This is the place that he wanted to go and he made it happen. And it's also maybe a bit of an interesting case study for other young players coming up. Hey, just because you aren't a UFA yet doesn't mean you can't eventually get to where you want to be in terms of a place to play. Like, I think he's a guy who other players can look at and go, oh, yeah, we can have a bit of power, even though we're just an RFA. We don't have those free negotiating rights. Yeah, you get drafted by Columbus and traded to Winnipeg and someone else is continually controlling your future. Step up and grab it back. There's nothing wrong with that. I think giving and and having more power for the players by using their voice, I think can only be a real positive thing. You, you see it in the NBA and no one is looking at these guys or most of the people aren't looking at these guys who with all the player movement that goes on and saying, oh, that's a bad guy because he wants to play somewhere else. It's just, no, they make up their mind and they make things happen. And that's the way it works. Constantly having trades and transactions. I'm all for that. Except for James Harden, right? As, as a pro Philly show, we're, we're against James Harden. I, honestly, I don't have any feelings one way or the other. I have no idea what happened there. And they're going to continue to bicker. And at some point, he'll be traded. But I don't have any issue with any player at any point in time saying, I want out. I want to do this differently than how you have laid it out for me. Yeah. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois got the last laugh last night as it's a 5-1 win for his LA Kings. The uh, Sorry, P.L. Dubois. That's going to take... Isn't it going to be hard to do after... It's kind of like programmed into our brains. Yeah. Uh, Frank, the Kings get their first win of the season in the first game where their goaltending doesn't allow five goals. Funny how that works. Yeah, that and uh, tough one for the Jets all the way around. Mm -hmm. Gabe Velarde... Yeah. Uh, lower body injury jets need to evaluate more today, but yeah, big step forward for the Kings and net much needed after an eight thirty nine save percentage through the first two. I also did like the move they did off the opening face off their starting line. Whereas the three pieces, the jets got in the PL Dubois trade. Um, I remembered it that time. Uh, so I thought that was a nice little moment too. Uh, all right, Frank. So the Oilers, the Sabres, the Kings, they all get their first wins of the season. The Seattle Kraken. They did not. And it's it's ugly in Seattle because I don't think this is just a random early season slip up. I think there's legitimate concern with their lack of scoring, Frank. They are averaging 0.8 goals per game. They're one is of two bad? teams in the entire league who do not have a win yet. And they've played four games. Frank, I looked at some of the guys who produced offense last year. Ellie Tolvanen put up whatever, 18 goals in 40 some games. It was like a 35 goal pace. Daniel Sprong, 20 goals. You lose him. Even Jared McCann, I think he's a great player. He popped 40, shot nearly 20%. That's going to come down a little bit. I look at that. I look at what they did in the summer, which was not a lot. I think this team is legitimately going to struggle to score this year, and I think it's going to sink them. I I mean, I certainly wouldn't bet against that. I mean, you take a look back at, at last year, and if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I'm actually just double-checking my stats, but all 18 skaters on their team had at least 20 points last year. Tell me a team where that happens, where you have 18 guys, 20 or more points. Pretty 13, damn rare. 13 so, players had at least 12 goals. Like, that's insane. 
yeah, the depth scoring, it was like coming at you in waves one after the other. And that's what enabled them to cruise to within one game of the conference final last year and exceed all expectations. But to go out and do that again, after you have all these same guys climb to the top of the mountain, it's incredibly difficult to do, especially when they're not all back. So a huge chunk of them are, I don't think they're going to continue scoring at a 0.8 goals per game clip. But at the same time, I think there's enough question marks there with how bad their goaltending was last year to think that if they don't get anywhere close to that number and the goaltending doesn't improve, like they did all that in spite of their goaltending last year, which was sub 900. If they do that again this year and their goaltending doesn't improve, then look out. It could be a really painful year in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, especially again when you look at Vancouver's off to a good start, they should be better this year. Calgary off to a you know one and one 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 and one start, but they should be better than they were last year. Like it's going to be tough sledding in the Pacific and putting yourself behind the eight ball this early, and the way it's happened is just kind of like oof. I I really wonder if it could be like you said who had a painful year. Who had a more rough night on Tuesday, the Kraken or the Canucks? Yeah, and Rick Tockett was uh, not too thrilled. He really brought his boys back down to earth a little bit, sensing they, the maybe the egos got a little bit too big after those first two wins of the year. Yeah, and that's always good to get knocked down a peg. I think you either win or you learn. And, you know, maybe for a team that started to feel really good about itself, a reminder that you've got a lot of work to do to get to that level on a consistent basis. And so didn't want to, you know, hammer the Canucks. I thought that they had earned a, a, a blip after their first two games of the year looking so good. Yeah, and just while we're on the topic of that game, uh, shout out to Sean Couturier. First goal in the NHL, Frank, in 22 months for yeah, the Flyers forward. It's a long time. It was a long road back for Sean Couturier. But, uh, I mean, by all accounts, a great guy, and it's great to see him back in the lineup and producing. Yeah, no doubt. A uh, lot of questions. Would this guy find a way with his back injury to get back onto the ice? And so um, here you go. You see a little penalty shot action. I love the the reverse. And I love his quote after the game when he said, look, I had a really long time to think about this. So <laughs> I was I was ready to go. Yeah, 22 months of sitting there being like, if I were to get another penalty shot, I think I know the move I'd go to. I think I'm going to uh, skate in backwards is yeah. how I'm going to do it. Genius stuff from Sean Couturier. All right, uh, let's continue along with our conversation about big wins and slow starts and get into the players' room with Luke Gazdick. The players' room is brought to you by DoorDash. Don't let the holidays get ahead of you. If you're running out of time to run errands, go grocery shopping and cook a delicious meal. That sounds like a lot. Get our friends at DoorDash to help you out. Make DoorDash your holiday hack. Dash that for the win. Luke Gazdick, welcome back to the program. Let's dig into some slow starts. I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about the vibes in a locker room when a team season doesn't start the way they expect. Like fan bases, very quick to jump and hit the panic button. But how many games does it take for panic to maybe set in within a locker room? Yeah, it's a good question. And I don't know if you can kind of quantify that because it's more of a situational thing for me. I remember being on teams... And it's really important in those situations to have good veterans and good coaching staffs that kind of, you know, calm the atmosphere down. I remember going on slides early and it's more concerning when you get into weeks and you get into months and you see habits that are developing that aren't being changed or aren't being fixed. Um, so I wouldn't say it's like it's something you jump on too quick. It can take weeks and months at a time. Um 
But like I said, I remember being a young guy on teams and going through slides like that, especially early and kind of just like watching the vets and looking for their reactions. And if you just don't really see any panic in them, then it kind of makes that atmosphere a lot better to uh, to be coming into the rink every every day. So, Luke, one team that didn't panic, I kept saying for everyone in Edmonton who who felt like the world was ending, look, on a scale of one to ten, I'm giving it a one out of ten in terms of cons- level of concern. You see them bounce back in a big way. Leon Dreisaitl continues his ownership of Smashville. But aside from Dreisaitl, what did you like about the way Edmonton responded on Tuesday night? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, I think two things come to mind right away. It's Woody changing up the lines. And I kind of talked a bit about this last night on TV. It's like, it sounds weird to say that the lines were more balanced out when you put two of the best players, the two best players on the team on the top line. But I think it really showed in that second line with Fogues back on his strong side left wing. He's a guy who is going to get a lot of chances playing on that line, especially with two guys in Himes and, and Nuge. Nuge will get you the puck with his vision and his skills and watching Zach Honestly, every time I watch him, it just makes me appreciate him even more. I think young kids watching the game uh, and watching Oilers hockey should, I don't want to say focus a little less on Connor and a little more on Heim, but the way he forechecks, his ability to get his line mates to puck, get first check, first touch on forecheck, sorry, is, is outstanding to me. And you got to give a shout out to Jack Campbell. Sometimes you just you need to get out of Canada, get these boys on the road, um, get the guys together, like on the plane, on the bus, wherever you are, the hotels, and kind of get out of your home city. It's becoming a little bit of a trend for me to see that Jack performs better on the road, and I don't know if he's putting a lot of pressure on himself at home, uh, but I think it was good to – Didn't help him get, in the van. Yeah, true, true. I will give you that one, but um, – it's it's nice that he was in there for the first eight because without him for the first eight, nine minutes, they're not winning that game. So he made some huge stops early and ended up with, what, 38 saves or something like that. So got to give some credit to Soup as well. 
Jack start Thursday. Was that what you would do? Oh yeah. I think you go back with Jack and Philly for sure. Uh, Luke Leon Drysettle set the Oilers franchise record for power play goals. And that was a record that was almost broken back on <laughs> during your time with the team. Yeah. Ryan Smith. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget being on the team. I think he was tied with Glenn Anderson with yep. 126. And this guy went out there, Smitty, for a power play and didn't come off the ice for five and a half minutes. I think it was the longest shift in Oilers history. He was skating up and down. He was, he kept trying to change and they kept telling him, stay on, stay on. And he didn't end up getting it. He ended up tying him. So congrats to Leon last night. He blew by that number uh, and he's surely going to have a lot more. But boys, you know, out of the fondest memories that I have in my career, it was Ryan Smith at age, whatever he was, skating up and down the ice for five and a half, trying to break Glenn's record. One of the greatest things I've seen in an Oilers uni. To wrap things up, Luke, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit. Everyone's seen the now viral Evgeny Kuznetsov shootout attempt, and he's done this a handful of times. Frank and I totally disagreed on it yesterday. Where did you come out on it? I hate it. I hate it, man. I... Especially when like when the first shootouts came in in 05 or 06, whenever they started that after the lockout, like it was such an exciting thing to see players come down full speed, trying things, shots, deeks. And I get it, man. Like guys are getting more and more creative and finding more and more unique ways to score. But I just think it's making a mockery out of the whole thing. Like coming down at the speed he does he's just trying to freeze the goalie and it's like i can't really be mad at it there's no laws against it or anything frank i i don't know if this is a bigger conversation because a i don't know which way you you lean on this but i think the shootout should just be abolished in general like i remember as a player losing in a shootout after you play a good game like flames played great that night yeah they gave up a couple too late but they put up over 40 shots had tons of chances especially in overtime and like to lose a game like that just sucked. I, I remember hating that. And I don't know if it's continuous overtime or what it is, but I, I am on the side that does not like the way Kuzi uh, uh, approaches the shootout. I agree with you. And I would say statistically, we know that if you increased OT to nine minutes, that 96% of games would end in that time frame. Just make it an even 10 and you'll Love probably it. wipe out everything. That's the easiest way to do it. And, you know, then they're saying, well, the NHL PA will complain about, you know, overtaxing the stars. And I'm like, guys, we're talking about an extra five <laughs> minutes. Like it's, it's not the end of the world and it, use your bench more than in three on three. And then we'll definitely see games end sooner in OT. But I said, even if you want to keep the shootout, my, my two ideas were uh, one, put a, put a shot clock on it or two, um, this is the easiest one and definitely the most fun is have a chaser, have your guy start at the, at the, at the centerized dot, but then have another guy from the other team start back at the top of the circles and chase him down so that you at least put some back pressure on him to make some kind of move like that. You know, we don't, this, this wasn't the spirit of how it was designed is to go in at 0.2 miles an hour and try and figure it out. No, for sure. I don't mind that shot clock idea at all too. I think, I'm hoping you're saying use the bench. I'm hoping that if we went to nine or 10 minutes, I might've picked up a couple OT shifts oh, along yeah, the way, but I'm not. still thinking, I don't think yeah, I was getting yeah. in there for the 10 <laughs> minutes anyway, boys. <laughs> uh, that, that's a good one. Luke. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us again on the players room. Luke, we'll chat again next week. Thanks guys. Talk then.
I'm glad Luke gave the self chirp there because I was yeah. also thinking it and I was like, I don't know if we're on that level yet. Can I chirp Luke Gastic about his inability to play an OD? I don't know. Uh, Pretty good. Let's move along to our daily face-off inbox question. Hashtag ask DFO. Frank, I want to go back again. I know it's Oilers heavy today, but this Connor McDavid goal from last night, the question for you in ask DFO, skill or luck? Some are saying his most impressive goal to date. Others are saying, how do you misplay that puck if you're Nashville? More luck than anything. 10 times out of 10, that puck is going the other way. No issue the fact that it just happens to land right in front of him, the goal itself and how he, you know, how quickly he gets up and then, you know, the quick shot, like it's, it's all impressive, but I think that's when you look at McDavid and his overall highlight reel, like it doesn't even register for me on the scale. No, I think it's hilarious because if you're Nashville, it's like, really like that's the guy who just happens to stand up and be on an automatic breakaway right now. Well, I was going to say, it's hard enough to go against McDavid on a normal night, but you don't have to beat yourself in the process. Yeah, uh, we did have one in here from Barra, Frank. Yesterday, we talked about Patrick Kane making his return to the league after offseason surgery. Barra wants to know, is Yessa Pugliarvi going to get another shot this year once he's healthy? He will get another shot. Um my guess is he's probably going to have to start somewhere on a PTO or an AHL deal to try and work his way back. I think it wasn't just a health thing that kind of kept him from getting to the level that he wanted to be at. And a lot of people thought he could get to, I think there's also a confidence factor. And so I think he's got a long way to go and I don't, you know, teams aren't going to be, you know, knocking down his door to get another opportunity after the way things ended in Carolina. It was pretty bleak. So um he's got a long way back yeah i think i would tend to agree with you let's move along to our botano daily bets frank yesterday perfect two and oh leon drysettle goes over one and a half points and the under it, it crashed under in arizona islanders uh one nothing the final in that one so tonight i'll look to keep it rolling i don't love a side tonight in either of the two games but there's a couple shot props that i think are excellent excellent spots Let's start with Dylan Larkin. His line is set, or sorry, Tim Stutzla. His set line is set at three and a half, and it is really paying in the plus money at plus 130. He's gone three shots, three shots, and then eight shots. So he was close twice, then crushed it once. And the reason I love this play is because the Washington Capitals give up the most shots against per 60 at five on five. So the Sens should be able to generate some looks. I like Stutzla to go over and over in the other matchup tonight. Wings, Penguins. I like Dylan Larkin's line at three and a half because he has crushed this in three straight games. Five shots, seven shots, six shots. And again, we're getting this thing pretty close to even money. The Penguins are league average in shots against per 60. I like Dylan Larkin and Tim Stutzla to both go over on their shot props. I saw Jake Wallman on there on the uh, the shot prop board. I better not disparage him. I was getting crushed on social media. <laughs> Red Wings fans do not like that I said that he's a fourth to sixth defenseman in the NHL. They were throwing a graphic at me saying that his, his value is $10.5 million on the open mm-hmm. market. I'm like, guys, he's 27, and last year was his first NHL season. Trust me, it's not me. It's you. I, I would give him more than $10.5 million personally. <laughs> All right. Whatever it, whatever it takes. <laughs> I will. Uh, let's wrap up the show with a little garbage time. And Frank, garbage time is brought to you by our new friends at Wendy's. And our friends at Wendy's have a new obsession. It's the very real barbecue bacon cheeseburger. Freshly added to the Wendy's lineup. Enjoy the apple with smoked bacon and crispy onions as cheese melts over the fresh, never frozen Canadian beef. I actually had one of these last Friday, Frank, and it was 
10 out of 10 fantastic. Uh, keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com. We have a fun little game, a little survivor pool we're launching with our friends at Wendy's next week with a grand prize of $5,000, Frank. It'd be nice to throw five grand in the jeans. Yeah, can't wait for that. And play against me and, and you and everyone yeah. else on the Daily Faceoff squad. So we'll have that uh, more information coming soon. But uh, garbage time today. Lots of uh, opinion out there about the NHL draft and the future of it moving forward. NHL teams were sent a memo on Wednesday morning, and it was very simple. Check a box and respond. Would you like to keep the draft status quo where everyone comes to the draft and is seated on the draft floor? Or would you like to decentralize it and have each team in their own war room in their own city with only the draft picks being celebrated on stage? The NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, they all do this. And for whatever reason, hockey has kept it old school with landline telephones on the draft floor. It's unbelievable when you see it. You're like, is this really how things are going? And I brought back to the conversation that I had uh, with uh, recently departed uh, Chicago Blackhawks assistant GM Jeff Greenberg, who was hired in baseball, back in baseball as the new Detroit Tigers general manager. I was chatting with him last year, and he was saying his first like three weeks on the job, he was hired by the Hawks, and he's, he goes, I'm at the NHL draft, and I'm looking around and thinking how incredibly disadvantageous this setup is because you've got everyone within feet of each other. When you pick up the phone and there's only one other GM that's on the phone on the draft floor, you know exactly who that person is talking to. And it's not really hard for teams to piece together, hey, they're probably talking about this because guess what? That's exactly what I'm piecing together and then using that information at Intel to talk to others. So it's, um, you know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense that the NHL has continued this way. And and I'll say from a selfish perspective, I enjoy it because it's nice to have everyone in the same city for a stretch of time in the summer, uh, especially in such a busy week with so many transactions. But moving forward, this makes sense because you have every team have to fly all of their people in to the draft city. Then they all have development camp like three days later, fly them all back to their home base. To then start dev camp, it makes no sense. Just decentralize it. This is the way of the future. Have cams in each war room if you want. Find a cool place to celebrate the game. And let's move into 2024 together. But selfishly, we're against this. I think it's fun seeing all the draft tables up on the floor and all of that. The GMs going up, the big picture. I don't know. I think it's I think it's neat. I think it's unique. It. It, it was for a long stretch of time, but it just doesn't make sense with today's game and how competitive it is. Yeah. Is it really dis disadvantageous if it's an even playing field for everyone? Another counter argument? I don't know. We don't need to get it. I would think it is, yeah. yeah. All right. That is a wrap on today's edition of the show. Big shout out to Luke Gazdig. Also, our producer, Gavin Turnick and Pat Puff on the graphics. We'll be back tomorrow, noon Eastern time. We'll chat with you then. Thanks for tuning in to Daily Faceoff Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.